the DLF family of podcasts. That's Tommy B. I'm the SFD, and this is the Super Flex Super Show. And here we go with some standard operating procedures for the 2023 season. This is this is what we've been preparing for, Tommy. Like this is no more. No more uh, just kind of prep work. Like we're actually we're actually managing rosters now, as if the season has started, even though we're a few days early still. Yeah, and it's about time. I love talking dynasty theory, but the reason we do all of this work is for this week. In just a few days, we have our first NFL game that matters. And I am just so pumped because we have actionable content that we need to get in your ears right now because the bottom 10 to 20% of your roster may need some fine tuning. You've, you've done a really good job building your team up through the offseason or working through uh, the top you know, 14 rounds of your redraft league. Now it's time to tinker with the bottom because we need to get some starts in our lineup this week. Exactly. And uh, along the way, uh, I I mean, I imagine most leagues are going to start waiver runs before the week starts. I have a feeling that, I, I mean, I know that there are some that wait until uh, after week one is over to start waivers, but most of them are going to do a waiver run here this week. And so uh, our goal is always going to be this is this is just kind of the format every single week for the entire uh, NFL season for the fantasy season. Anyways, Um, we're going to give you some players to make sure that they're rostered. Uh, That's a little bit more like redraft focused, I think, and, and, you know, kind of shallower dynasty leagues. Uh, Very rarely are you going to find these guys on waivers in a uh, a deeper dynasty league. Um, we're going to have some players that you can add. Again, probably a little bit more redraft focused and shallower dynasty, but get a little bit more into... Uh, so we'll, we'll have some names for you for deep dynasty leagues as well. Next week, this week, one of my all-time favorite segments, players to stash now off of waivers before they break out and cost you a ton of fab uh, next week, you've already got them stashed. Save yourself some fab for something else. So, uh, some some players to stash. That's going to be pretty focused on both redraft and dynasty. Pretty pretty well split. Uh, players you can drop, and we're gonna we're gonna make sure to kind of differentiate redraft and dynasty there. Players to fade, uh, and that's to me that's a little bit more redraft focused. Uh, players that you can buy or that you want to hold on to, um, especially for a contender. And that's when we really get dynasty focused, the buys and holds, the sells. And then next year, this year uh, for kind of rebuilding rosters. Um, And then the new thing that we're going to throw in together, Tommy, is just kind of some strategy talk at the end of every episode. Uh, That's for you and I both. That's kind of our, that's our lifeblood. So we need to make sure that that gets mixed in. Yeah, we almost can't help ourselves uh, with the with the strategy talk. And yeah. at this point in the year, 
we want to be taking the layups, right? When we're making these decisions, we we don't want to be doing stupid things. We want to avoid the pitfalls and, and hit the easiest shots we can. Because by playing the most probable odds, we're most likely to get the most impact because it's week one, right? If you hit on one of these next week, this week players in week one, you have an opportunity to potentially have a starter every single week of the season that that player is healthy. As we get further into the season, we're going to be more targeted with our ads, with our drops, with these moves that we're looking to make. But right now is the time to maybe shed some of those preseason players that had a lot of hype, but really were a mirage. There was nothing there that was going to actually impact your roster aside from trade value. And so we're going to suss through some of that today, because like I said, you have limited roster spots. It's time to get potential starts in your roster so that when next week, this week comes up, you've got an opportunity to have impact as opposed to just quote unquote value. Love it. Well, let's jump in. Let's get let's uh, run through some standard operating procedures to manage your Superflex rosters. And like I said, we're just going to start right off with uh, just some players to make sure they're rostered. One at every position. Can try and give you one every single week at each position. Um, right now, Brock Purdy, I think, is a guy who may have ended up on a lot of waivers. Uh, going into the season, I mean, really kind of coming out of last season between the injury and there was quite a bit of talk about that injury being more long-term than it ended up being. There was there were a lot of people convinced that Trey Lance was going to emerge as the starter there. Uh, and, you know, I think that it's very possible that you ended, you could have ended up with Brock Purdy available to you on waivers. Raheem Mostert, uh, the starting running back in Miami, um, Jeff Wilson goes on IR, uh, hand injury, I believe. Um, but in, in it's, it looked, it was looking like a pretty murky backfield. Raheem Mostert is going to own that thing at least for a while. Um, and it kind of looks like Salvin Ahmed is probably the, the immediate backup. I know that people are really, really kind of chomping at the bit to see some Devin A chain, but uh, we're going to talk more about this later, but rookie running backs takes a little bit more time than people want to believe. Van Jefferson, right now the wide receiver one, well, yeah, the wide receiver one for the LA Rams with Cooper Cup, quote-unquote, day-to-day. I almost had him as a, as a buy, but uh, just the lack of news, and it's a hamstring injury that he dealt with last year, and now it's kind of being re-aggravated and he's talking to specialists about this how do you know how do we get healthy here man like that feels like a recipe for kind of long-term uh missed time uh, yet again for cooper cup so uh van jefferson steps into the wide receiver one role demarcus robinson is probably the the guy who's the most different uh, from the rest of the group in terms of just kind of like the bigger body, you know, um, red zone target, the chain mover type of guy. But uh, I think Van Jefferson is pro- probably uh, w- wide receiver number one. I would say option number one, though, tight end to make sure they're rostered is Tyler Higby, who, like I said, I think becomes the, the top option most likely in that pass offense. 
So, uh, I mean, I, it already felt like Tyler Higby was probably in line for a pretty big season, um, even with Cooper Cup healthy. But now, especially with him out of the way, and then, you know, you've got the you've got the speed to the outside with Van Jefferson, Tutu Outwell, Puka Nakua. You know, like you've got the field stretchers. Now it's time if you're going to open things up. Higby is kind of the guy taking up that space. So those are the guys that I'm really targeting. Did I miss anyone, Tommy? Do you take any issue with any of these? I especially love the Tyler Higby recommendation. Um, I've heard some really smart people, Andrew Cooper, one of them, who has said that this is the tight end that has the cheapest path to 100 targets. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be a top five tight end, you need to get 100 targets. That's It's almost a requirement. So I absolutely love the Tyler Higby recommendation just to make sure that they're rostered. And the Brock Purdy one stuck out to me as well, because if you did draft in a redraft league, let's say a Kyler Murray, this is a perfect player to pick up if you have IR spots. So put Kyler Murray on the IR and run Brock Purdy out there if you need to for a few weeks or half a season or however long this saga lasts in which Kyler Murray is unavailable to you. The Raheem Mostert uh, selection is just classic 101 roster management. If you can find somebody who's going to get a cheap path to 10 to 20 carries, you find a way to get that on your roster. So if he is out there uh, in the free agency pool or waivers, just make sure you get him. And then Van Jefferson, if you have a very lean and mean wide receiver core and you need to get a starter, I could certainly see him getting five to seven targets. Yep, exactly. Let's talk about some ads, and I, I think it's mostly my list, so I'm not going to make you try and defend all of these <laughs> names. You might not like them all, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll list them off, um, and then we'll get your, uh, your priority on these guys. So quarterback, I've got Clayton Tune. It looks like he's most likely going to start for the Arizona Cardinals. It doesn't mean he's any good. It doesn't mean the offense is going to be particularly good, but in a super flex league, any starting quarterback is going to be worth rostering. So let's go get Clayton tune. And you know what? There's a chance. There's certainly a chance that the the weapons are there. We know that he's got good weapons. He's got a credible running game behind him. Uh, The defense is not very good and (laughs) is going to put them in some pretty positive game scripts. There's, there's some reason to believe here that Clayton Toon could be fantasy viable uh, as a starting NFL quarterback. At running back, I've got Sean Tucker, Deion Jackson. I've got the combination of Damian Harrison, Latavius Murray from Buffalo. And then you put on here Tyler Algier. Sean Tucker uh, has been kind of the, the possibly the biggest story in all of uh, preseason, at least at the running back position. Went for an undrafted free agent with that heart issue. We've talked about him in recent weeks, in fact. All the way up to running back two, and to be quite honest, he might be the most complete back on that roster. So it might be a matter of time before Sean Tucker takes over that job completely in Tampa Bay. Deion Jackson, this is just my personal belief here is that he's the starting running back in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor missing the first four games of the season on Pup. 
uh, Harrison Murray, I think, or, or one of those two guys. And it's, it, it makes it tough because you don't want to capture that entire backfield. I think that we're in agreement that Damian Harris is the most likely, uh, but Latavius Murray is a good consolation prize just in case. James Cook is going to be more of a more of a third down, um, you know, passing downs type of of back for them. At the very least, one of these guys, Harris or Murray, ends up being their thumper down around the goal line, and you know they fall into the end zone a couple times, and it's going to be pretty tough for any other running back to make that up with volume. So, uh, and then Tyler Algier. Um, you know, behind Bijan Robinson, there's the threat of injury. There's, there's also just the possibility that they're not ready to completely turn this over to a rookie running back. That's my read on it. Anyways, uh, at wide receiver, we've got Puka Nakua, uh, mentioned Van Jefferson, but Nakua also, uh, also kind of represents, you know, uh, an opportunity for them to get the ball out into space as well and utilize that, that speed, it's really just kind of man who is who's going to be the primary threat from the wide receiving group and puka nakua you know i think has probably slipped through to a lot of waivers in shallower leagues um and you can you can take a chance if it's him or van jefferson we'll see um and then michael gallup uh, finally you know fully healthy off of the acl um, looking for a big year from CD lamb, which really kind of opens things up for that entire offense. Um, that entire passing offense, Brandon cooks is, I don't know. Like he he's, I don't know. Brandon cooks is solid. Brandon cooks is fine, but I think that there's enough volume to go around here. Michael Gallup probably gets in on that as well. And you can probably get him pretty cheap right now. And then at, at tight end, I've got Durham Smythe, who becomes a starting tight end in that Miami offense that is just loaded to the teeth uh, for Tua Tungavailoa. So, you know, if you're if you're desperate for a starting tight end, I think that Durham Smythe uh, and Logan Thomas is the other guy I'll throw in there from Washington. Those are two guys who could definitely step in for you, uh, at least temporarily until you figure out the, the next wave of tight ends. We don't have any in next week, this week yet. So we'll get to that eventually. Um, but for the moment, you're just kind of looking for a week one starter. And those two guys, I think are very good options for you. How'd I do Tommy? Yeah, I think this is super indicative of where we're at in the season, right? So ideally, you've drafted your quarterback. You kind of have an understanding of what your wide receiver core and your starting tight end probably looks like. And so the only position that is malleable at this moment is probably running back. And so I just see without having a ton of injuries to talk about, that being the most interesting position. Um to tinker with, to try to figure out where we can get these small advantages that will have an impact later in the season. There's probably 30 wide receivers on your waiver wire that you could pick up today, but whether or not they're going to have any impact is questionable at best. So I like having the construction of ads that we do today, 
Um, I have questions about Clayton Tune ever being viable. I, I'm ready to be proven wrong, absolutely. But I would wonder if you have another player at wide receiver, running back, or tight end that could possibly match uh, Clayton Tune in your super flex position if you're truly considering starting him. Hmm. The Sean Tucker play is a fantastic one, in my opinion. If you're looking for somebody who really could ascend to a starting role, I see Sean Tucker of this entire list as having the most potential upside. Um, and so that's somebody that I would make a priority add, especially out of this list. Um, but really in any league that is more than 18 roster spots, I would try to get Sean Tucker onto the back end of my roster. And really the same with Tyler Algier. Um, a couple years ago when Jonathan Taylor was really starting to find his footing in the NFL with the Colts. It took four or five, six weeks or so to have him really take hold of that running back room and to get the 20 carries that we really assume he's going to get when healthy. There was a split backfield. And I could see Tyler Algier, who last year was a very successful hit at the running back position in the dead zone, hold on to that job and split carries with Bijan Robinson for the first few weeks. And he is a premium injury away player. So he's somebody that again, in that 18 plus man roster um, team, I, I want to have uh, at least a few pieces of him on, on my rosters, because if Bijan goes down or if it is a slow start, that's somebody I would feel comfortable putting in my flex or even potentially the RB2 position uh, week week two and beyond after we get a, a reveal on what's going on in that backfield. With the Damian Harris and Latavius Murray um, potential in Buffalo, I was getting Latavius Murray for free all the way up to 30-man uh, dynasty leagues. And so he was somebody that I was picking up because there was the potential to care, to get carries. I think in a dynasty league, check your waivers. Um, you can put a zero or $1 bid probably and get him. And you can just sort of see what happens in these more shallow bench leagues. He's someone you can just keep an eye on right now. And if you find that he's getting some of that workload, it's somebody you may want to add in the future, but right now it's just somebody I'm watching. Um, we talked about the Rams wide receiver and passing game situation right now. It's, it's not looking good with Cooper cup. There's some weird information going out where he's seeing a body specialist. And I had never heard that term before this week. I don't know what a body specialist is. To be honest <laughs> with you. Um, so that has me worried. It sounds like a pickup line. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just an odd term. Um, and so I'm worried in my dynasty leagues, uh, and, and in redraft, I'm seeing him slip right now. I just helped a, a friend do a, a redraft home league and he fell to the third round, which that was absolutely impossible in a one quarterback redraft league two weeks ago. Um, so Puka Nakua is, I mean, he's a why not flyer. I, I don't see any problem with adding him to the back of the the bench because you could have something there. And he's somebody week one, if, if he's having, you know, let's say a 10% target share and 20% snap share, see you later. I, I don't care. I don't mind dropping you. 
Michael Gallup is somebody that I actually added to this list because he has, again, been almost free. And with the potential passing volume increase in Dallas and the health concerns around Brandon Cooks with his concussion history, I see a potential pathway to wide receiver two numbers there. And he's somebody that, I mean, if you wanted to make a trade in a dynasty league, you could probably get Gallup for a third or fourth round pick in some leagues. He's he's a very low risk, um, high volume potential wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Man, he could almost be a next week, this week type of guy. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a few of these guys. Uh, it's some of them in Michael Gallup very, very easily could fit this as well. You're just kind of looking for some players who, uh, who, who could potentially start for you this week, um, in a pinch. Now, you know, it's a lot less likely that you're going to be in that situation now than it will be in hell, even next week. <laughs> like, let's, once we get some football going, start, like you said, we start getting some injuries. We also start getting a little bit of clarity on how these offenses are going to look, how they're going to run. You know, then then some of these guys become a little bit more viable as immediate starters. Um, Michael Gallup, we actually maybe, yeah, he's he's uh, he's kind of him and Pukunakua both are borderline like next week, this week, guys. I don't know if, but either way, I mean, you're going to get them super cheap, so whether you're starting them this week or not. So good stashes. Sounds like Sean Tucker was your your highest priority. How much fab, what percentage of fab would you be willing to put down for Sean Tucker right now? Yeah, he's somebody that should not have slipped through um, in your redraft uh, draft whenever you had it. Like it, It's time to get him on your roster. The thing is, if he is still hanging out there on waivers, that means that he's going mostly unnoticed unless your waivers have been locked for a month or two, let's say. So Mm -hmm. I think you could probably get away with a five to 10% bid, but I think he's worth so much more than that in potential. But I'm curious what you think, John, how much would you spend in, in fab on Sean Tucker? Yeah, I was thinking probably around 10, 15% personally. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that like that long-term, uh, it's going to end up being, he's going to end up being worth more than that, I would assume. But, uh, yeah, for the moment, I, I kind of think that you might be able to sneak him through for, um, in, in, you know, aggressively let's, let's say 15% just to make sure that we get him. Um, I think that that's probably all it's, it's going to take. That's my guess. Um, I think, I mean, if I had some kind of Intel that there's, that it is going to be a little bit of a race for him, I think I'd be willing to go as high as 25% personally. I don't have any problem with that. And, and I hear you talking in percentages. Um, so the amount of fab that anybody has in their given leagues may vary, but also throughout the year, um, as you spend some of this fab, the amount in total dollars is going to change. So we're going to talk in percentages uh, throughout the Mm -hmm. season. If you're wondering why we're using those terms right now, I just wanted to clarify that uh, before we really get going too much further. Yeah, that's, that's a super important point. And it does, it gets a little tougher later in the season as well, because, you know, we're still talking percentages, but you know, you've already spent 
X percent of your fab. So now we're talking about like this percent of your remaining fab, which is impossible for us to do. Yeah. Like there's no way to make that blanket statement, but right now, yeah, we've got a nice clean, whatever your fab is 500,000, you know, 200, 100, whatever it is, we can just say 25%. That's what I'd be willing to put on Sean Tucker I, the the thing is like it goes up a little bit if you if you have a like a thousand dollar budget like it probably does go up a little bit more what i'd be willing to spend but that's that might be a strategy corner discussion at some point in season yeah. uh, to talk about a little bit about fab percentages uh but in the interest of time we'll move on to next week this week and i'm actually i'm gonna let you run down this list uh because i know that you've got some stuff that you want to touch on along the way yeah, absolutely. So when we think about next week, this week, we're accounting for changing situations, right? We're not sure what's going on in some of these starting positions across the league, and we're trying to get in front of that. And so we're trying to capture the cheaper option, uh, let's say, in a shaky quarterback room. And so when we think about the quarterback position, uh, Josh Dobbs is a perfect encapsulation of what we're talking about we're not even sure who's going to start week one. And so Josh Dobbs is somebody who next week we could be putting in our super flex spot as crazy as that sounds, because he's probably on a lot of waiver wires right now. Additionally, Sam Darnold has almost the same opportunity. When we look at the uh, Brock Purdy situation, we think he's healthy. All indications have been that, he is on track to start week one without any limitations and everything is hunky-dory, but we don't know until the live bullets are flying. And so Sam Darnold is a possibility next week to actually start in our super flex positions as well. And then we have to bring up your darling, Aiden O'Connell, who is doing a lot of Dak Prescott-like things in Las Vegas to where he might have to get on the field sooner rather than later just based on talent and, and performance. He is showing out as a viable NFL player and possibly NFL starting quarterback. And then moving on to the running back position, of course, we need to talk about Samaj P. Ryan, because when you talk about the presumed starter, uh, Javante Williams, you can't help but be a little bit worried about that knee and how it's going to hold up and what the workload might look like moving into the first quarter of the season. And so he is a absolute mustache as a next week, this week player, because he could have a clear path to a full workload similar to what he had in Cincinnati last year, where he was a viable starter and actually an advantage uh, down the stretch. Chuba Hubbard is somebody I love as a, ne a uh, next week, this week stash, because we're not sure about Miles Sanders hamstring. Right now, we think Miles Sanders is going to be starting, but Chuba Hubbard has also shown himself to be a viable candidate in spot start situations. My boy uh, Rico Dowdell is another option. He could just split the backfield, as crazy as that sounds in Dallas, and be a thumper. And that has value because we just need to get starts in our RB2 or flex positions. And so if we can get... 10, 12, 15 carries uh, from our RB2, and Rico Dowdell can do it. Let's put him in there. Uh, Pierre Strong is another option. He's getting up to speed in uh, Cleveland. 
And that's an uncertain backfield behind the starter, Nick Chubb. And so you want to take advantage of those uncertainties at the RB2 and RB3 positions. And Pierre Strong is a certainly viable option there. Additionally, Michael Carter with the New York Jets is somebody to keep an eye on because they're bringing along, they're starting two running backs, Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, pretty slowly. And they've admitted that they're going to ease them in throughout the beginning of the season. And so Michael Carter has an opportunity to get meaningful touches in the first few weeks. At wide receiver, there's Justin Ross. We just don't know what's going to happen in the uh, Kansas City wide receiver room. We don't know how these splits are going to happen. We've heard um, Andy Reid talk about potentially using Justin Ross as a package player and expanding his role as the season goes along, but we could be in for a surprise. We're not sure how the the snap share is going to split up there. And then I added Rashad Bateman in shallower leagues. He's kind of been left for dead. I think that the Flowers, the Zay Flowers hype is real and justified. But if Baltimore is going to be throwing more, Rashad Bateman is certainly a, a candidate to sit in your wide receiver three position. Yep. Uh, yeah, love all of those. I thought about putting in Deuce Vaughn. Um, it gave you Rico Dowdo. Dowdle? Dowdell. However you say it. Um, because right now, I mean, he's he's number two on the depth chart. My feeling on it is if Tony Pollard were to go down with an injury, the guy that you're most likely to see, you know, frequently would be uh, the the guy with the biggest um, uh, increase in work would probably be Deuce Vaughn. That's that's still my belief. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think Rico, it seems like he's probably going to be the one who's giving Tony Pollard an immediate rest and very likely takes over early down stuff. If Tony Pollard were to, to go out with an injury. So, um, yeah, uh, I, 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 yeah, I think this list is pretty complete. Um, the, and the one thing with Sam Darnold that I want to point out is he played he like so he ran the offense very well this offseason he kind of demonstrated a little bit more mobility and a little bit stronger arm down the field than uh Brock Purdy so it might not be it might not have to be an injury for this to happen like that's that's the big thing for me stash him now because i think they're kind of looking for an excuse to go with Sam Darnold I think it's going to be a pretty short leash for Brock Purdy. Um, But we talked about that last week, so we can skip over that. Yeah. The thing I want to leave the super friends with, um, I know this is the super flex super show, and I love talking about quarterbacks, but to focus on running backs just for a minute, because we are entering week one. Every single year, there are about 60 to 75 missed starts at the uh, running back one and two position. So the top 24 running backs miss between 60 and 75 starts in almost every single year. We forget this because we've been in the off-season mode so long, but the this is just a brutal position. And so four to five RB1s and RB2s are going to miss any given week throughout the season. So it's better to get ahead now on the Samaj P. Rines of the world 
because the attrition rate is only going to get worse the further we get into the season. I like that too. That's what Scott Connor always says. Anyone on a 53, yep. you know, uh, when it comes to running back and this is why they, they, the running back position, it's, it's just a treacherous position. It's a, there, I, some of them have even admitted it's like being in a car accident several times every freaking game. Uh, they're bound to miss some time. And like you said, they do. They miss a significant amount of time, in fact. And a lot of times the second guy gets hurt as well. Like we move on to the third guy in the depth chart. Um, you know, that happens to several offenses every single season. So you know, don't turn your nose up at any running backs. Uh, if they're on a 53-man roster, they've got a path to being fantasy viable. Here's one player. We're going to move on to, to some drops. We've got two guys that we don't believe are fantasy viable. I'm going to start with a guy who's not on a 53, and that's Leonard Fournette. Every single season, we see some of these older running backs just kind of, you know, we just to lose them through attrition essentially uh you know the, his, his contract expired with tampa bay nobody picked him up there's just it, it, he just kind of fades away into oblivion and is never heard from again in the nfl so it feels like that's where we're headed with fournette you still have some guys out there kareem hunt kind of being the big name at the moment but you know some players who who were cut malik davis is probably more likely at this point to find a job than uh, Leonard Fournette would be. So, for me, I mean, uh, like let's let's uh, let's not wait and see if he actually ends up on a roster. You know, typically I like to kind of think about all right, who who are the players who are not on, currently on rosters who likely will be at some point. But I think you have to look at the other side of that coin and say Leonard Fournette, the the odds of him landing on an NFL roster seem to be pretty slim at this point. I think that he's the perfect type of candidate if you've got some backup running backs in week four, let's say, and they're on their bye. You could add him as opposed to one of these really lower tier backup running backs just on the off chance that an injury occurs with another team and he gets added before the next waiver run. But he's someone you just keep an eye on right now. There's no need to roster him in shallower leagues. If you're in a 28 or 30 man dynasty league, he's certainly worth holding on to just because the waivers are so picked over at that point. But in these shallower leagues, there's there's no need to hold him right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyone else we need to talk about for drops? Yeah, I'm willing to move on from Jeff Wilson in, in shallower leagues, especially in redraft. There's there's no need to hold on to him because the Miami backfield is so amorphous right now. We don't we don't know who's gonna take hold of that backfield, but we know it's not Jeff Wilson for the first four weeks. And he's got two injuries, right? He's got some abdomen injury and I believe a hand injury as well. It just, the tea leaves are not pointing in the right direction for Jeff Wilson. I'm ready to move on and focus on other running backs at this point. Yeah, it wasn't a backfield that you really want anything to do with anyways, but uh, especially the guy who 
lands on IR, like you said, multiple injuries, uh, however many games going to be missed. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, there's, it's, there's a path for him coming back, but it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty murky one. Yeah. Uh, this is permission to drop Jeff Wilson. So yeah. <laughs> you have, you have our blessing to drop him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the big caveat with drops is always going to be, who are you dropping him for? Yeah. I, now, these two guys, I would rather have an empty roster spot. But if it, we've talked about, you know, the strategy behind keeping an empty, uh, a, a, you know, a spot on your bench empty, um, if you don't subscribe to that and there's nobody else that you're going to go pick up, we gave you a, you know, pretty big list of uh, some players to add and some next week, this week stashes. If you're, if but if you're not making room for those guys so like a deep dynasty league where none of those guys is available i don't think that you you drop them just to drop them but yeah you know as long as there's uh as long as there's something to be gained by getting them off of your roster um it's never never just a personal thing about all right get rid of this guy like regardless you know yeah um, some players you can fade uh, this isn't this isn't a drop if you've got them on roster you just hang on to them um, possibly try and sell them but just overall i'm just fading the noise and it starts with evan hull i he he looked great in the preseason i'm also just kind of fading most rookie running backs in general um, I'm not going to necessarily say that with Bijan Robinson. I'm not necessarily going to say that with Jameer Gibbs. I would have said Kendra Miller is somebody that you uh, that you want to get in on, but he's hurt too now. So Jamal Williams just has that backfield to himself. But the rest of these guys, Ty J Spears, you know Devin A Chain, uh, even Sean Tucker, as much as we love him, you know Deuce Vaughn, all all of those guys, Tank Bigsby is one that people have been talking up quite a bit as a possible, you know, possibly pushing Travis Etienne out of that job. The we we just we have selective memory loss every single season and this is one of those things that we kind of forget about. Um because it's more fun to think about, oh, this guy's going to take over. Evan Hull's going to come in and take over that backfield. What actually happens in the NFL is they take the the veteran who's been in the system for a while, who understands their their pass coverage, uh, you know his assignments and coverage, um, the guys who you know kind of have the uh, uh, have the trust of the quarterback, have the trust of the offensive coordinator. Those are the guys who are going to get on the field right away. Don't expect. Don't hold your breath for Evan Hull to be a priority for the Indianapolis Colts anytime soon. Don't hold your breath for Devin A. Chain, Ty J. Spears. You know, these guys, every last one of them should make it on the field at some point this season. But if you're expecting that right now from any of these rookie running backs, fade, huge fade for me. And I think week one is going to give us a lot of the information that we need for future fades because once live bullets are flying, 
these teams are going to tell us what they want to do. Right. And so yeah. this is going to be a much more expansive list moving forward right now, just fade over confidence, right? Be open to positive and negative variants on your team. Be open to the fact that you don't know what you think, you know, with all of these players. And when we get better signal, then we'll have uh, more actionable fades for you. Yep, absolutely. Here's some guys, though, that I think we do have a little bit of signal, and it seems to be a little bit contrary to uh, to to uh, um, common logic, um, to common wisdom, consensus opinion. There you go. Uh, so some players to buy if you don't already have them. And to me, people always talk about buy, sell, hold. To me, hold goes right along with buy if you're willing to buy that player when they're not on your roster you want to hang on to them when they are on your roster so i just bunch those two together um i don't really think that they're necessarily a, a like separate actions so anyway some players that you can buy and hold especially if you're a contender uh in a dynasty league first of all go after amari cooper for the uh, wide receiver for the cleveland browns um, the number one wide receiver and man, it doesn't feel particularly close. <laughs> like there's just not a whole lot else in that offense. Uh, it, like the, the other guys are fine. Donovan Peoples Jones is fine. David Njoku is fine. Um, they, they're not getting a whole lot of receiving out of the backfield with Nick Chubb and without Kareem Hunt. Like this could be, this could look a lot like Dallas. Very pass heavy with Deshaun Watson, but also very focused, very funneled to one particular player, and that would be Amari Cooper. And then the other guy that I'm either buying or holding right now is Jonathan Taylor. I don't, I, I, I don't think that he's actually injured. Like I don't know, I don't know how they're getting away with putting him on IR to start the season just because he was upset and wanted to be traded. They weren't able to trade him. So for some reason, they're able to to just put him in timeout. I don't totally get the legalities of that. But what I do know is it's it, when he does come back after week four, there's no way that they keep him off the field. There's no way that he keeps himself off the field. This is one of the best running backs in football. He can't hold out. Like there, It doesn't do anything for him. He just had. Uh, he just goes right back to the same contract next year. So, like he's still stuck there for another year if he were to hold out. So he's gonna play, and he's gonna try and play his way into a new situation. They have absolutely no reason to keep him on the bench. It's not like they're trying to keep him healthy for some kind of long term investment into him. Like there's just no reason for Jonathan Taylor to not be on the field. And when he's on the field, he's one of the best backs in this entire sport. Yeah. And I think of Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall actually in a pretty similar vein. The only difference being that that's appreciable over the next few weeks is you can start Brees Hall, but Brees is going to be open to injury as well. So I see both Brees Hall and Jonathan Taylor as middle season and latter half um, difference makers at the running back position. If you can go out and acquire Jonathan Taylor in a dynasty league, please 
go shop for that because I've heard stories of first round picks going for Jonathan Taylor. And to me, that is an absolute steal. I helped a friend with a redraft league tonight. He went in the five, six turn, I believe. Oh which, yeah. I mean, that's stealing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All day. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that you're still targeting him in, you know, the early first round, like we used to, but yeah, like if, if he's going that late, uh, even in a super flex league, yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. And Amari Cooper, I mean, may have the clearest path to 160 targets of anybody in his tier. And if you get a little bit of positive touchdown upside there as well, I mean, you could have a legitimate top 12, top six wide receiver, And at his cost, that is amazing value. So as a contender, as a middle tier team, uh, take a look at Amari Cooper, because this offseason, he was going for two seconds in some of my leagues. If you can get him for, you know, a tier up price of a wide receiver, 36 and a second, absolutely shop around for that deal. Yep. Who else? Who else are we uh, buying slash holding? Yeah, this one is a little contrarian because nobody seems to like him right now. Um, But I'm interested in acquiring Matthew Stafford. He can't remember his receivers' names, apparently, (laughs) aside from Cooper Cup, who we just set his sideline for probably a month. Um, He's old. He's got a messed up back or neck, and it's just a disaster over there. But you know what? He was a really good quarterback two years ago, and I think we're going to know really quickly if he still has it. And if he does, he's a difference maker in your super flex spot. If he doesn't, you can move on so quickly. You don't have to hold on to him like a Brock Purdy, let's say, to where he's just going to be eating up a roster spot potentially. In a redraft league, he is a fantastic QB3 in my opinion. Um, He's somebody who can be acquired cheaply in Dynasty, and he's somebody who has a very clear path to meaningful starts in your lineup. And then at the running back position, I am just smitten by Elijah Mitchell. I think Mm. that that backfield in San Francisco is so dynamic, and they are not going to exclusively use Christian McCaffrey. And last year when Elijah Mitchell was healthy, which is a, a, a bit of a rarity, I'll admit, He was on the field like a third of the time with Christian McCaffrey in the fold. And so I could see him being a RB2, RB3 for, I don't know, six or eight weeks this year. And that's that's something that at his cost of a third round pick, two thirds, something like that in a dynasty league, um, he may be on waivers in shallower redraft leagues. That's something that I want to have uh, potentially in my lineup to start the season. I love that that one. I'm selling Rashad Penny, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. Philadelphia running back. I like, I think that people are still, still on the idea that he's going to be kind of the, uh, the thumper in that, that running game. You know, you get kind of a, uh, you know, a thunder and lightning type of, a type of approach with him and DeAndre Swift. And the reality is Rashad Penny just barely made that roster. Like they uh, they they're not particularly 
enthralled with <laughs> Rashad Penny, it doesn't sound like. I mean, it's not really a, a backfield that you necessarily want much to do with anyways. Um, but I think that the main guys who are going to be involved there, it's DeAndre Swift and it's Kenny Gainwell. Uh, Rashad Penny, I mean, if you can sell him as a significant component of that offense, I would absolutely get rid of him right now. Yeah, I love that one. I mean, who's to say he has more workload than Boston Scott throughout the year? Um, that's that's a muddled backfield. And all of the whispers coming out of Philly haven't been great. And so I could see him being a practice squad player for the Eagles at some point this season, which is kind of a bummer. When, when Penny came into the league, he was explosive and dynamic and enticing and those of us who have held on to him for this long are unlikely to get paid off. Um, but that's dynasty for you, right? Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what about you? Who are you dropping or selling? Sorry. No, we're not dropping this guy. <laughs> we're definitely not dropping him. No, the guy I am looking to move off of um, is actually Garrett Wilson. Yeah. And before you call me, on, call me nuts. Um, I just think he's a little inflated right now. I've been doing some of these um, startup mocks for DLF and he's going off the board as the wide receiver three overall. Mm -hmm. I just don't get it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. And I I could be wrong, but you look at his yards per route run and it's nothing spectacular compared to his peers. Chris Olave was better. Um, Garrett Wilson just ran more routes last year and he has Aaron Rodgers right now and he has the hard knocks bump. I think his value is just stupidly inflated. And I think that those of us who are holding Garrett Wilson right now are going to be regretting a sell high opportunity at this point next year, because there are so many other wide receivers that are doing the things that he's doing uh, that are several rounds later in startup ADP. So I think you can tear down uh, from a Garrett Wilson to a Drake London, to a Chris Olave, to a Tyreek Hill or a Stefan Diggs. There's so many options to move off of Garrett Wilson and get a meaningful add, a couple of seconds, a first, uh, starting running back on top um, into a tier that honestly, I think Garrett Wilson probably belongs anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, even just kind of from, from the perspective of, you know, value over replacement wins against replacement, however you want to, however you want to chop this up, the, the price that you're going to get in return for Garrett Wilson, or you're going to have to pay for him if you don't already have him versus the difference he's going to make over Amari Cooper. Again, if we wanted to go back to, you know, one of my, one of my buys, like it, the, the difference is going to be negligible, but the difference in cost is going to be, I mean, multiple starters, I would imagine. So yeah, like that's, that's kind of what we're looking for when it's time to sell players. Like, um, you know, the, the fantasy community always feels like it's got a pretty good, uh, handle on, you know, buying low and selling high, but, they they also fall in love with the exact same player at the exact same time to the exact same degree. 
that happens all the time. And we're, we're there with Garrett Wilson right now. I like that one next year, this year, some players that you can re if you're, if you're already committed to a rebuild this year, you're going to tank it. You're going to try and get to one one You want Caleb Williams on your roster to help you rebuild that super flex dynasty league. Here's some players that you can rebuild around, um, stash them now and they will be a, a bigger part of your team next year. I didn't put any down yet. Uh, the two that you mentioned were guys that I was going to include. And I, I like, I think that we can just kind of stay in the exact same vein, but I'm going to let you talk about these two in particular first. Yeah, I can't help myself. I have to rant first. Do not be rebuilding right now. Super friends, don't rebuild. We haven't even set our first lineup yet. Unless you obviously have just the absolute worst team in the league, the variance between the fifth best team and the 11th best team is so great due to injuries and our inability to predict performance that you could be giving up an opportunity to compete this year, make the playoffs and make a run. So please, unless you just have an absolute trash roster, do not rebuild. I implore you, send me your roster. We'll figure out a way to, to get you competing by mid-season. Just don't do it. But if you want to ignore all my advice and take this advice, <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple running backs for you. Um, so I targeted two of the third-round running backs that were drafted this year in the rookie draft because third-round running backs have about a 50% hit rate. And I don't like choosing between profiles specifically, but I thought that these two had a pretty clear path moving forward into 2024. And so that's why I want to highlight these two. Those being Ty J Spears um, with the Tennessee Titans. He's sitting behind a 30-year-old Derrick Henry who has been an absolute monster for the past what, like seven or eight years. He's been incredible. But time is undefeated, um, and there will be a day where we aren't able to marvel at what Derrick Henry is doing every Sunday. And Tajay Spears has looked incredible this preseason. I know he doesn't have an ACL, which is bizarre and bewildering, <laughs> and I still don't quite get it. Might but, be a loophole, though. That might yeah, be. I mean, you can't tear it if you don't have one, apparently. <laughs> um, but he's looked great. And I think that if you are one of those teams that insists on not competing this year, this is an opportunity to bolster your running back position next year with a potential impact player in Tajay Spears. The other one uh, we mentioned briefly earlier tonight, that's actually Kendry Miller. He's just had a really bad beat this offseason. Um, he has a bit of a nagging hamstring injury, I believe. Um, and so players who have those types of hamstring injuries, they typically are slow to get out the gate. And at the running back position, unless there is an injury in front of him, it's unlikely they're going to push him out on the field before he's truly ready, has the playbook in hand, and can effectively operate in the offense at 100% health. So I see him as somebody who's going to come on later in the year, and you could sell him to a contender, let's say week 11, if and when he starts to take hold of that backfield in New Orleans, or you can just hold on to him and enjoy the value bump into the off season. What do you think of these two guys? 
Yeah, I love that. Like I said, I think we can really just kind of stay in the same vein. Like those two are kind of at the top of the list uh, because like you said, the starters ahead of them are, I mean, kind of a age slash usage cliff, whatever you want to use. Uh, but you know, guys like, uh, I, I do think that as much as I was picking on the rookie running backs early, I think that, you know, Sean Tucker, Devon, Devin a chain, you know, uh, guys like that. I think that they do take over their backfields or at least some kind of role in their backfields, uh, later in the season. And certainly next year is kind of, kind of like we had with James Cook last year. Like that's, that's kind of what we're chasing here we've got a lot more opportunities this year than we did last year. So, you know, you're kind of looking for those guys who are, you, you kind of want them to come on slowly this year. If this is what you're trying to do, um, you and I disagree a little bit on whether or not you can commit to a rebuild right now, but, um, but you know, if, if you were going to do that, if you want to commit to that, you know, you're kind of looking for some guys who aren't going to contribute right now and just kind of look at career arcs for running backs. And you see that first year is, you know, it just kind of generally not great uh, beyond, you know, Saquon Barkley and Zeke Elliott. And then year two is kind of where it takes off. And that's kind of what we're, that uh, that's kind of what we're chasing again this year. So I think that there are some uh, there are plenty of guys. I think those are kind of at the top of your list, but I mean, just target basically any rookie running back who, uh, who's, uh, you know, in the middle of a depth chart essentially right now, I think, um, Jaleel McLaughlin is kind of like the deep sleeper that I absolutely love. You know, the, the theory here is Javante Williams is probably going to be, in and out of the lineup this season. I think Samaj P. Ryan is most likely going to be uh, the guy who generally takes on the, the workload when Javante's out. But I think you're going to see, they love Jaleel, Jaleel McLaughlin. They love the electricity that, that he brings into that lineup. And I think you're going to start to see them shift towards him uh, in the off season or uh, towards the end of this season. So yeah, guys like that, that's, that's kind of the way to go, particularly a running back when we know that the, the protocol is going to be, let's end up with a bunch of those guys on roster in time for the start of next season. Here's the beauty of it is third round running backs and even some fourth round running backs don't need to hit in their rookie year in order to have a reasonable success rate in their second year. So like I said earlier, it's about a 50-50 proposition for a third round running back to be a top 24 finisher in their first year. That only drops to 30% in their second year. And fourth round running backs, it's like 17%, I believe, um, mm -hmm. in their second year if they haven't hit. If a first round wide receiver hasn't hit in their rookie year, they're essentially dead. Like there's yeah. like a 2% chance that they make it back from the pits of despair that is not a, a top 36 hit. And so these are really good bets to get at value right now, those being um, first, second, and third round running backs. Yeah. So I I think that, I mean, we're still, we're still, uh, we're not fully in uh, regular season form at this point. 
Um, the goal is to get through these SOPs much faster for you uh, on a weekly basis and leave ourselves plenty of time to talk some strategy. I think, though, in this this week, I think that we probably want to um, let you just go execute your standard operating procedures. Um, you know, go get on waivers, go make some trades, uh, stash some of those next week, this week, and next year, this year type of guys. And, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, next week we'll tighten this thing up and, uh, get into some strategy talk as well. Cause we've got a lot of strategy and we could, we could talk about rebuild versus contend at this point in the season, making the decision to rebuild, uh, to tank a season and rebuild it. We, we want to talk about, um, we want to talk about matchups, uh, you know, a, a a, a player at a particular position in a particularly good matchup versus bad matchups. What does that do to their projections? What should it do to their projections? Um, and what should that mean for setting your lineups? Man, we've got a lot of stuff to get yeah. to in that strategy stuff. So we're going to work hard on uh, tightening, tightening up the standard operating procedures so that we can get to those, that strategy talk and uh, kind of fill in some blanks there. So let's wrap this one up for the week, though. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, Mega Feed. Get access to all the great podcasts from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And once you've subscribed to the Super Show, if you would do us a favor and give us a rating and review. It just helps us to find more people, get out to more people. Involve more people in the conversation. From there, we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends. On Twitter, he is at FFTommyB. I still call it Twitter. Uh, I was going to call it Twitter X just to cover my bases. That's that's another thing that that's regular season. That's like middle of the season stuff. Um, I'll get there. I'll get there. We're still just kind of easing into this season. Twitter X, he's at FFTommyB. I'm at SuperFlex, dude. Thank you to, uh, actually, real quick. I, this one, I, I this is a, a very, very important piece of this for me every single week as we approach the three-year anniversary of the passing of James the Brain Catullus. This episode, just like every other episode of the Superflex Super Show over the last three years, is dedicated in loving memory to the great James Green. Thank you to DynastyLeagueFootball.com for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. Thank you to my partner, Tommy B, for the time. And above all else, thank you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.